Hello, and welcome to the What's Next podcast. My name is Liz Smith, owner of Liz Smith Law, and on this show, I share conversations to investigate building and leaving your legacy, estate planning for young families, supporting aging loved ones and parents, and other topics around aging, death, and other life transitions that will affect each of us. This is your source for hard-to-find resources in Southeast Alaska and beyond. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get each and every episode of our show. Hi, in this upcoming episode, you will hear me interview Brenda Tudor with Peak Trust. And you'll hear me hear me stumble a bit at the beginning as I grapple with deciding how in-depth to go, how much to back up and really provide some context. And what I thought I would do is provide some context here at the beginning to help you prepare for the conversation ahead as we talk a lot about trusts and trusts can be confusing. And so this is just a little bit of context. So first, I want to start actually with where we what we touch on later in the conversation, and that's personal representative or executor. So if you are preparing an estate plan and you're putting together a will. One of the most important, well, I don't know, one important aspect is to choose who you want to be the personal representative or executor. And that is the individual or individuals who will deal with the probate process at um, to distribute assets per the wishes in your will. So that means that per individual, it's quite a responsibility. It's quite a lot of work as well. They're responsible for carrying out the court process, for filing, for meeting deadlines, for doing an inventory of assets and distributing along with some other administrative tasks. And then usually you want to name, I recommend clients have three individuals. So the first person and then two backups, not three together, but. Uh, backups just in case you do not amend your will um, if someone has passed on or sometimes people are just unavailable or unwilling possibly to handle it Um, and it also just might be easier for someone else so thinking about that often people choose family members that they want to name but for a variety of reasons some people just don't know who to name or have nobody And one option is to name a professional. And so you will hear us in the conversation talk to Brenda about what Peak Trust does in that role to acknowledge they can serve in that role. So that's that's number one, a little bit simpler. Uh, Number two, which shouldn't be that complex, but it 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 just is, which may be or can be. And I think when we talk about trust, part of that is because there are so many different types of trusts and It is not a thing that you get to touch and feel and deal with. A trust that Brenda and I are talking about, a revocable living trust, is an agreement. It's a document that you stick on your shelf, and then it's really, really important, um, especially when it's fully funded, meaning your assets are owned by your trust, um, but it's not something you can uh, think and or touch or feel. But in our conversation around trusts, uh, PEAK is, as I talked about, a personal representative and what that means. When you create a trust, um, the assets get owned by a trust. And so when we talk about a revocable living trust, you would create that 
in large part to avoid court and all of those timelines, deadlines, et cetera. Um, so the trust will own, own your assets. And how trusts fundamentally work is there's a grantor, person putting assets into the trust. So if you're setting up your own revocable trust, you are going to be the grantor. And then there is a trustee who's going to manage the assets in the trust. So probably that's going to be you if you're setting up your own trust. But just as I was talking about with a will, where you'll put uh, name someone to handle things after you pass, um, you're going to do the same with a trust. Something a little different with a trust. So first, that person's your successor trustee. The part that's a little different is that a successor trustee can actually step in even if you're still living. If you're incapacitated or just unable um, or don't want to continue managing your own assets, then the successor trustee can assist and they're still managing everything for your benefit and making distributions for your benefit while you're living. And trust can go on for a long time as you're here in our conversation. Other times it's fairly quick. But it's a really important decision about who you want to be your trustee. And just as with personal representative, oftentimes people want to name family members or friends, but other times they don't have someone or may have reasons that they don't want to rely on that individual for everything. And you'll hear more examples about that and where a professional can come in. But I hope that this helps provide some context and isn't too uh, rambling or uh, you can always fast forward and get to the part with Brenda. But I did want to provide a little bit of context. And I think that's it. I just thought of one other thing, but or I had something that escaped my mind. But successor trustee. Um, oh, I was going to say. Peak trust is one option for all residents in Alaska and non-residents if they have something set up here. But since listeners should be in, um, most of you are in Alaska, if there are any listeners. Um, and they're one company. There are, there are others. But I think you will find it an interesting conversation. I really enjoyed talking with, with Brenda. and. I hope that you will enjoy it. All right. Welcome. Today as my guest, I have Brenda Tudor, a trust officer with the Peak Trust Company. Welcome, Brenda. Thank you. Uh, Brenda joined Peak Trust uh, just in 2020, but as a trust officer following over 30 years in the financial services industry in Alaska. Brenda's extensive experience includes more than 17 years of trust and estate management experience. She has played an integral part in constructing and communicating tailored estate planning strategies for clients throughout her career. She takes great pride in developing multi-generational relationships with her clients. Brenda's depth of experience includes administration of descendants trusts, perpetual family trusts, special needs trusts, and domestic, domestic asset protection trusts. She's also served as personal representative for many estates over her career. Brenda is actively involved in Alaska's estate planning community. She currently serves on the board of the Anchorage Estate Planning Council, where she lives in Anchorage, and vice chair of the Anchorage Senior Activity Center Endowment uh, Trust Board of Trustees. She's a past member of the Alaska Government uh, Finance Officer Association. 
And I'm so glad to have you today. Thank you. It's it's an opportunity I'm I'm looking forward to to discussing trust with you. Yeah, me too. And for our listeners that are already eyes glazed over, like <laughs> this doesn't apply to me, or what on earth are we talking right. about? We are gonna break it down and talk about some of what do we even mean by all these types of trusts and, and how does it fit in. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. I think we could talk for a long time, but we'll we'll do do what we do today. Okay. Um, so let's start actually, Brenda, with in your how would you describe what peak trust does and kind of big picture, and then we'll get uh, more more detailed and okay. some. Uh, peak trust company can serve as trustee or uh, personal representative, uh, depending on the scenario or the situation. Um, trust administration is our core business. So that is our main focus and what we do. And, and we've become uh, pretty savvy about doing those items as far as administration. Um, we're not a commercial bank. We're not, uh, we don't have those type of tasks that were done in-house as far as loans and things like that of other commercial banks. So trust administration is our core business and we serve our uh, clients in, in that capacity. Great. And I want to talk about trust and why perhaps someone might turn to a professional trustee for some background and why as an estate planning attorney, I meet with lots of, you know, we always are talking about uh, who would be one's personal representative and that would be the person handling probate administration. So let's go through court Um, for listeners. That's typically going to be a will based plan. Um, and then some clients choose to create a trust structure, which typically they're going to start with a revocable living trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be something that they would do largely to avoid probate. Correct. And, and you are an option for trustee. So when I have clients that say, well, I don't have a family member or a friend um, or have reasons that they want someone outside right. the family to step in. Um, you are one of the companies in our region um, that we turn to. So just as background. Uh, and let's actually start. So you said that you have been worked. Well, we talked about peak trust. So as a trust officer, how do you work within that? What is your job? We, we, we read the document and we understand the intent of what the grantor uh, put in place as far as the parameters of how the trust can be administered which is distributions, what their wants and desires are for beneficiaries. Um, They worked really hard to create their legacy and leave it to someone else in the future, whether it be kids, grandkids, charities, other family members. Um, So really understanding their intent when they're drafting these documents is important to us because that knowledge can't be um, obtained once they've passed. So to be able to work with them as they draft the documents and work with the attorney, we, we take great pride in doing so that we understand and make sure everything is written accordingly to what their wishes and desires are. And then we administer under those terms of the trust document. Um, we can make distributions to the beneficiaries um, in accordance with the parameters of the document, whether it's for health, maintenance, education, support, things of that nature. Um, and we work uh, real closely with them and, and try to get to know the beneficiaries along with the grantor. You know, um, If we step in a role and the grantor is not there, then we just administer according to the trust document. 
We try to establish a relationship with the beneficiaries for long term because we're going to be in this probably for quite some time, have to get to know them, their lifestyle, their needs, their wants, and, and how that trust can help them um, throughout their lifetime. So, so it sounds like you would work with someone who's just thinking about setting up their estate plan. Maybe they've come to, to myself or another attorney and then they might reach out to you. Uh, and what does that look like if someone reached out to you as they're deciding, do I want to use Peak? Sure. We would talk to them and uh, ask them if they've already got an estate planning attorney. And then what we like to do is work together as a team. We work with the attorney. We work with the clients to make sure that all their wishes and desires are put to on paper. And that's where we would work closely together with you to make sure that all the legal you know, wording is in there properly to be administered. Um, and then we like to review the document before it's actually signed and put into place, like review in a draft, so that we can say, this is our interpretation of how you want things to happen. Is that correct? And is that what you meant? That's our time right then to tweak the document and to make some changes if necessary, if it's interpreted different than what they actually wanted. Uh, and then once we've got a document, um, if we're going to step right into place as trustee, then we'll work with them as well to make sure that you know it's administered properly. We take that role very seriously and and um, work with the grantors and the beneficiaries and the attorneys during the whole process, beginning to end. So sometimes you said you would jump right in and then sometimes there might be decades and decades, right? That's right. They may set up an estate plan and put Peek in as trustee or, um, you know, successor trustee. The trust could be running down the road for many decades or many years, and then we are asked to step into that position because either they're not able to do it anymore, they don't want to do it anymore, or they've passed away, a successor trustee is needed, then we would take over that role in running that trust as the trustee. Mm -hmm. And uh, not to put you on the spot, but I do want to go back and define some terms, which I can help with as well, but um, who is the grantor? You were mentioning the grantor if they are still around. The grantor would be the one that has set up the trust and drafted the trust. And how, what is the role of the successor trustee? Not just, I mean, just in general term. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we make sure we understand the document and the parameters within the document, but we also make distributions. Uh, that is our responsibility. Uh, invest the assets, make sure that we do prudent investments so that they can have a rate of return and we can earn some income on that so it can continue to grow for the beneficiary's uh, benefit, as well as file tax returns. A trust is an entity that has to file its own tax returns as a person does, but at a different level with the IRS and a different rate. So our responsibility is to make sure uh, annual tax returns are filed and any taxes that are owed on the trust are paid from the trust. And just to clarify, so that would be for listeners for some types of trusts that have to file tax returns. And when you have stepped in, Brenda, that's usually going to be a, the type of trust that would require correct tax returns. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and and so a, a successor trustee, the roles of a trustee are are I want to get into some more specifics. So they're. Um, Sometimes there'll be, well, no, before I go there, so what, no, okay, so sometimes someone might turn to a successor trustee and just say all distributions go to my family members and everything would be distributed, right? Mm -hmm. That I would have, okay, and then other times someone 
what you're really referring to for an ongoing relationship, what types of situations does that happen in? Might not be the best way to ask that question. Okay, re, can you rephrase that? I'm not sure I understand so, what you're asking. Yeah, so there are some types of trust that are going to be ongoing, and that's when you're referring to that long going, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and we talked about when I was uh, introducing you, descendants trust, perpetual family trust, special needs trusts. So let's talk about a descendants trust. And let's say someone sets up a, um, a trust, they have minor children and they have established terms that maybe they want assets to go to, um, they name you as successor trustee, and then they want everything to go to their kids when they're, let's say, 35. Um, how might, how, how realistically, not realistic, how do you work with that um, family? Okay. Um, once, once the beneficiary uh, attains age 18 and is a legal adult, then we work directly with that beneficiary as far as their needs. And I have quite a few uh, dozen of those, if not more than that, that I deal with right now. Beneficiaries above the age, the trust came from parents who were deceased or grandparents, things of that nature. And it's for their benefit until a certain age or until the trust runs out and it's no longer economical to administer, um, which means it's out of funds. But what we do is we work with the beneficiary uh, if they have distribution requests to see if it's um, prudent to make that distribution, if it falls within the confines of the trust document, it's allowable under the facts and circumstances that they explain to us. So we like to get to know our beneficiaries, know their lifestyle, know their needs, their wants and their desires and how this trust can help them. Um, if we've got a, a, you know, someone just graduated from high school, get ready to go to college and they have education needs, they, they need their college tuition paid for. Well, that's, if it's allowable within the trust document, then that's a prudent way to uh, disperse the money out of the trust for them. We'll pay the college tuition directly. We'll pay the books directly to the school, or if they you know, purchase books on Amazon, we can reimburse with the receipt. Um, reasonable housing if they're not on campus, things of that nature. Um, we don't like to say no, if, as long as it falls within the parameter of the trust document and it's a prudent thing to do, we like to work with the beneficiaries to make sure that they um, can gain good education and be successful out in society later on down the road once they've graduated. And reasonable, you know, expenses, travel, things like that fall into some of those items as well. What if it's a young individual and they come to you and want a fancy car? How do you how do you balance the the yeses and nos? We've had to do that before. Um, you don't necessarily get a Lamborghini just because you can get a car out of the trust. Um, we have to make sure that we make a prudent decision to make that distribution. And so what are their needs? Where do they live? You know, if they live in Alaska, they don't need a hot rod. If, you know, a truck is more beneficial to the environment that they live in versus a little bitty car to get them around, then that's, you know, that's something we'll consider. If the trust document allows for the purchase of a vehicle, we'll consider it within reason, of course. Um, and then also can possibly consider insurance to cover that vehicle to make sure that they're, they're covered because it's a state law requirement that you have insurance. So, you know, those things are all considered and we discuss those in depth with the beneficiary to see what their needs are, what they're looking for. Um, if, if the option is to purchase a car, well, we can make a distribution directly to a dealership. Um, we try to make distributions to third parties as much as possible um, rather than put it in the hands of the beneficiary and expect them to do it. Kind of mm -hmm. like a parent would do. <laughs> can I imagine one question when someone's thinking about a professional 
trust company, you know, working with you versus family members. Well, how accessible are you when my kid has the, you know, needs, wants some money from the trust and wants decisions made? What's the timeline? Um, we're very accessible. Uh, we can meet in, in uh, our office, um, of course, and then also over the phone or by email. We, we have a lot of uh, communications that way. We've got clients that are all over the U.S. and some are out of the country. Um, so communication is not a problem nowadays with technology. There's all sorts of ways we can communicate, um, even by Zoom. So just reaching us is very simple, very easy. We're very responsive. We take a lot of pride in being responsive to client needs. Um, the normal distribution time, time frame is anywhere from three to five days, depending on the need. If it's something pretty simple, then that can be turned around on a pretty quick time frame. Um, if it's something a little more intense, we got to do a little more research on it. It could take a few more days, uh, but we're pretty timely on our distributions. And we communicate that through the whole process with the beneficiary as well. So they kind of understand where we're at in the process and what we're doing and, and um, how we're working through it. But imagine that you have pretty... You have relationships with a lot of people, I would imagine. A lot of unique individuals. And then just some are, um, you know, just fun clients that just have everyday basic needs, you know, just make sure they have a monthly distribution. Um, if they're elderly, you know, husband has passed away, left them a trust and just make them a monthly distribution and meet with them on a, a regular basis to make sure everything's being taken care of. We can't help in any other ways. So if... Um, it's very interesting to be in that position, but it's something I take pride in is to get to know my beneficiaries and be able to help them in the best manner I can and um, and to serve them the best way that I can under the parameters of the document. You know, that's what that's what those trusts were set up for. And I like to do that. It's, it means a lot to be able to take care of those people. A couple of things to circle back on for our listeners. You mentioned having clients, the Peak Trust has clients all over the country and we decided before recording that we wouldn't talk a whole lot about it, but just for our listeners that might be wondering why, because you only have offices in Alaska and Nevada, are um, certain laws here that are very appealing to people throughout the country. And so there are individuals that will set up a trust in Alaska. And right. then I know much less about Nevada, but just for our listeners, that's why um, that might, why you have people all, all over the country. Anything you want to put there? They can choose the jurisdictions and it's also for tax purposes. Um, and as long as they've got assets in the state of Alaska, then they qualify to have an Alaska trust. Um, and typically that's anywhere from, you know, a, a set amount in the Alaska state statutes to hold within the trust. And then a lot of times they'll have a, a multiple trustees. We'll serve as administrative trustees. Someone will be the investment trustee that runs the investments within the trust account. And then there can also be a distributions trustee where someone runs the distributions. And so we work in tandem. All three of us would work together to make sure the trust is administered properly. And people can do those from all over, you know, and set those up. And a lot of our clients do live abroad just because they're either going to school, they work out of state, they work out of the country. So there's a bunch of different needs and, and um, reasons we serve in those roles. Let's go there. Will you talk some more about the different types of roles you can serve, distribution, the administrative, and what that means? Uh, if we're the administrative trustee, we have a limited role. Uh, we just make sure that there's assets held within Alaska and um, accountings are done. And then if we're the full sole trustee, where we're the administrative trustee, the distributions trustee, investment trustee, that means we run the whole show, basically. Um, we're full trustee for all of those positions. 
We have the investments in-house. We have uh, very competent and capable investment officers that work for Peak. And um, we have uh, investments that are approved by our board uh, to be able to be improved in and, and put in trust accounts. And those are monitored on a monthly basis as well as a quarterly basis to make sure that they're performing properly. And then distributions, we can make distributions right here in-house. We can send wires or ACHs as well as cut checks and mail those as well. So we can do all of that from here or Nevada in our other office. So even if it's an Alaska trust with an Alaska trustee, another trustee, you could serve, you could do the investments and then there could be another trustee that's deciding how to spend for Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to go back. I think I think we skipped over when I asked when I was um, asking about who you would work with if there's a minor, and you said if once they're 18, you work with that individual. Um, but before then, um, would you work with a guardian? Absolutely, we work with the guardian uh, closely to see what their um, wants, needs, desires are for that child, because uh, the trust would be set up for that child. And of course, if there's a guardian, then they're probably buying food, paying rent. They may have tuition if, they, if the child goes to a, a school or a private school or a special school or something of that needs. So we would work with that guardian to make sure that those needs are met and distributions can be made on behalf of that child until they reach the age of 18. So I think it's not uncommon where a client has one individual they would want to raise their child. But then if they have, if that person's also the trustee, you know, depending on the family, there may and may not be oversight in terms of how that individual is spending. And so I think sometimes it's comforting to know how right. an outside. Right. Worst. Because um, it's not for their personal need, it's for that child's needs. And sometimes that gets a little blurry as to what do we really need? Um, and so that's kind of where we step in and ask some questions and make sure that the money is spent for that child. Um, because that's what it's there for. And of course, you know, if they live with their guardian and rent needs to be paid, we understand that. They're taking care of that child. That's an expense that needs to be covered. Same with food. You know, the, the guardian lives in the house with the child if if for some reason there's not a parent or something of that nature. So those expenses are reasonable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'd imagine actually in some, in that sense that it would even be more comforting for a guardian because they might feel very uncomfortable. Now they have two more kids and they need right. to to a, right. a, what's it called, a big van. <laughs> yeah, and it's an added expense to them to take on that role, um, to take on another child or multiple children without funding to be able to do that. I mean, a lot of people now struggle just with their own children, but if you're going to take on extras, um, it's comforting to know that you've got some support there. Yeah, and it might just feel like self-dealing if you took the money for, if you were managing the money. Right, right. And those, those safety nets are there with a corporate trustee versus a private trustee, um, they, they're more prudent in how they administer. They're held to a high standard on how they administer trusts versus just an individual who doesn't have the expertise on managing large sums of money or knowing how to disperse them and, and things of that nature. So it would be comforting to the person setting up the trust for their family members to know that someone um, is in that role that has that experience. All right, so I talked about a trust for a minor child and then potential to distribute outright, but then some people set up a trust for their children that are going to last for their lifetime, and in that option, maybe they've named the child to be the trustee at some point, um, or they may turn to a professional for that child's life, 
and how some instances, there's a lot of reasons that people decide to do that. Um, but one is if someone, either the child's poor with money or maybe they wanna make sure they have a job or have substance abuse. Um, how do you navigate um, a trust document? Sometimes I know as a, a drafter, I wanna make sure it's flexible enough for that child's life. So let's say the parent says, I know my, you know, son or daughter has had alcohol issues and I want to make sure that they live a productive life. How do you navigate some of those provisions? If you have an example or. We, we actually have, I have quite a few of those right now um, with substance abuse, whether it be drugs or alcohol. Um, you talk to the beneficiary and that's where we try to make most of the distributions if they're uh, allowable. Um, with the facts and circumstances of the document, of course, um, to a third-party vendor. That way we don't put money into their hands. Um, there's a reason for that. Um, some, some, if they have uh, drug issues or substance issues, uh, it can be written into the document where they have to prove that they've gone through treatment and they're clean and they're sober and, and they're out in society working and they're doing good things and then they can have trust distributions. So it's all in, in how the document is written as to how we can administer um, if we know there's substance and alcohol issues, then we're a little more uh, skeptical on making distributions until we have all of the facts that surround that distribution need. And if it's, of course, something that, that's allowable and we think that it would be prudent and, and in their best interest to do, we will, of course, do that for the beneficiary because that is our job. Another big one that was on your list as well, special needs trusts. What are the differences there? That's a specialized area. Um, a lot of times people will have a special need child or grandchild that they want to leave some money to and they don't want to leave it to them outright or leave it to their guardian outright. Um, there are certain parameters that uh, you have to be able to administer around as far as a special need trust, because if that particular beneficiary is receiving any state or government um, agency funding, then distributions to them outright could disqualify them from any of those uh, agencies paying them out their monthly expenses. So we have to know right off or what, what agencies are you receiving funding for from the beneficiary? If they have a guardian, we work with them as well. So if they're receiving um, government benefits, then they're not allowable to, they're not allowed to receive distributions to them personally without having to account for that. And there's a certain threshold that they can only get on an annual basis before they're disqualified. So what we do is we work with them to see what agencies they're receiving funding from and then we make distributions for their needs to third-party vendors. Um, if they have you know, rent that they need, we'll pay it to the landlord or to the, the um, property manager. Uh, car insurance, if they drive a car, that's fine. We'll pay the insurance premium directly to the insurance company. That way no money passes through their hands. It's not something that's income to them so that they have to report that could um, disqualify them from their, their public benefits. Those are very hard to get set up and to start receiving we would not want to do anything that would hinder them or disqualify them from receiving those benefits. And it also is a creditor protection. If for some reason they, you know, there's a, a spousal issue, they get in a divorce, um, those assets are protected. So, you know, from lawsuits or if they get in a car accident, something of that nature, um, there's a spendthrift clause that typically is in a trust that protects from creditors attaching those assets. That's not an asset owned by the beneficiary, it's an asset of its own. 
And so it's for the benefit of the beneficiary, but can't be attached in like better claims and stuff like that. So that's extra protection for, for those trust beneficiaries. And if someone, how do you navigate the care for someone? If you are the trustee and they really don't have family helping them navigate, mm -hmm. resources you turn to or can you provide? Um, there's some state agencies that, uh, that can assist with that. There's public advocacy programs that can assist with that to get them the care that they need. And, and a lot of times our caseworkers will help them get some of that stuff set up as well. So we try to work hand in hand with them and, and everyone involved in their lives to be able to help take care of them. Um, if there's in-home care that's needed, you know, we'll work with them on those needs. Um, there, there may be just basic, simple needs where they can function on their own. They just need a little help here and there. And then there's some who are completely incapacitated have 24 hour care. And, you know, we cover those expenses as well. So you go from one extreme of the radar to the other, just depending. It's case by case, need by need. And that's where that trust document is relied upon in order to make sure that we can administer the trust, make distributions for their needs um, in accordance with the document. That's why we like to work with the grantor or the person creating the trust in advance and the attorney so that we can all as a team make sure that everything is kind of covered with what their intent is. Because once they're gone, that legacy is left to care for someone in their family that they uh, is near and dear to their heart, and they want to make sure it's cared for. And that's where us as administrators want to make sure that we can do that. And as long as the language is there, we can we can um, assist in, in making sure those needs are met. Yeah. yeah. And I imagine there's plenty of conflicts on your end that you have to deal with as well. I, I hope someone else in your office has to deal with that. <laughs> the legal argument. You can only imagine, yeah. And and some beneficiaries do not understand the fact that it's not their money. It's money that is put there for their benefit. Um, a lot of times if if a parent or grandparent has passed away, the beneficiary will think that's my money. And in actuality, it's not your money. It's money that was left to you by someone who loves you or cares for you, make sure your needs are met, but it's for your benefit. It's not an actual asset owned by you and you don't have full access to it. Unfortunately, you have to ask for it. And um, we're, we're very kind and gracious in working with beneficiaries to make sure their needs are met within reason, of course. Um, and trusts are a good safety vehicle to make sure that a, a beneficiary doesn't get a huge lump sum of money that doesn't know how to deal with it. A lot of people don't know how to deal with a good sum of money and project it out over time on how to spend it. And that's why we as a corporate trustee um, have that expertise on being able to help the beneficiaries with those, with those needs over time. Because more than likely you give an 18 year old any lump sum of money, it won't be around very long. They just don't have the faculties to know how to spend that money or what's in their best interest for the long haul. They know what's in their best interest for today. But I think that goes for plenty of 40 and 50 year olds. I think so. <laughs> There's a lot of people that don't know how to do it. That's where a corporate trustee comes in and um, is is best suited to make, make those decisions in a neutral position rather than a personal friend or family member or someone who, who might not be able to say no. They may not be able to um, stand up and just say, that's not in the best interest. I don't think you need that. So um, that's where a corporate trustee can play a big role and it can be a big benefit for sure. I think that this discussion has ended, has turned into a really good primer for listeners on what a, what trust can do because it is. I think it, uh, people will 
hear about a trust in one context and think that it's this one thing. And yet it's not, it's really a, it's a term. Like, I mean, you said it very well, you're leaving. I don't know. You said it well. <laughs> Thank you. Leaving family legacy. People have worked really hard to earn the money that they were in their lifetime and they're wanting to leave it to someone in their family, loved ones, family members, charity, the neighbor, whoever they choose to leave their money to um, is, is a great gesture. And they want to make sure that money is spent wisely. They've worked really hard to earn it. So a trust is a fabulous vehicle to be able to accomplish that over a long period of time, a short period of time, things like that nature. Like you said earlier, um, if they leave it to their children, and they can have it in increments of 25, 30, 35, they get a certain percentage of the trust. Um, then they get lump sums of money in small amounts to be able to help them out through their lifetime, um, but they don't get it all at once. And then it's, it's held in a trust that can earn income. So it grows over time for them as well, and they have more money at the end than they would if they were just handed a big check and not know how to spend that. So there's a lot of thought that goes into putting a trust together. And a lot of people don't um, fully understand how they can be used as a great estate vehicle for their family members down the road um, and how they can actually benefit people. Yeah, I think that's a big education thing that we can work really hard to educate more people on. A trust is a great vehicle um, for multiple reasons beneficiary levels, classes of beneficiaries, grandkids, kids, all of that nature. Um, and it can be used for just everyday needs, for education down the road. Somebody can educate all their, you know, their um, grandkids to get college degrees. I think that's a fabulous gift, especially nowadays with the cost of college. So a trust is a it's great so, gift. It can be so flexible. Flexible is not the right word, but what you can, what you think of that you want your money to do when you die, can be happen. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You're not leaving, you're not leaving someone with one big lump sum of money. Um, and having a corporate trustee in that position, uh, they have the expertise to be able to do that. And they're a neutral party who's not a family member making those decisions where they've got the heartstrings intact or they might not have a good relationship with the beneficiary. Um, and and there's also regulatory reasons that you know you have to go within the confines of the document make those distributions and pay taxes on the you know trust pays taxes things of that nature where a private person might not know all of those things that are the working functions of a trust and mainly it's just getting a good relationship with your beneficiaries is to know their wants desires their needs and be able to help them throughout their life that, that's a big deal and that's something i really enjoy is getting to know my beneficiaries and how can i help them what can i do for them I imagine that many people are listening to this and thinking, well, that's all great. Trusts are for really rich, wealthy people that want to leave money that's going to go operations. Do you have, yeah, respond to that. And, and specifically, if you do have monetary limits, uh, that people that want to work with uh, peak trust as trustee. We, we won't say no just right off the top. We want to look at all the facts and circumstances around what, what, are, what are the needs and why are you creating a trust. Um, a trust doesn't necessarily just have to hold cash. A trust can have marketable securities. A trust can hold real estate. Um, if someone passes away and wants to leave their house or their cabin that they have out in the woods to their kids or grandkids, that can be an asset of the trust. And then the trust would pay the expenses associated with those items, such as property taxes, um, if 
if someone passes away, leaves their house to their kids uh, or their child, then the taxes can be paid on that house. The utilities can be paid on that house, things of that nature. Um, reasonable maintenance expenses, you know, if they need a new roof and that's reasonable and they're maintaining that house in good standards, you know, that's something that trust funds can be used for to maintain that property. So the trust is not necessarily just for cash assets. It can hold real estate. It can hold LLCs. If there's companies and things of that nature, it, it, we can do that as well. And we do that quite often and we do that very well. Um, so a trust can be a vehicle that holds numerous assets and multiple types of assets for the benefit of their family members or beneficiaries down the road. And it's not just for the rich. We have a fee schedule. Um, we have a tiered fee schedule depending on the balance held in the trust. Um, it's you know 1% market value currently of the trust assets. That's everything held in the trust up to $5 million. And then it tiers down you know, you get a little bit of a fee discount on market value, depending on that. So our fee schedule is published and that is a, you know, it does change quite often. So we won't set something in stone with that, but if there's no set amount on a trust, you know, you don't have to have $2 million or $5 million to have a trust. You can have, you know, a lot of people don't really know what their assets are worth until they start adding them up. And then your estate assets could add up to be quite more than you think. So a trust might be a very beneficial vehicle to use in your estate plan. And does that fee include management of assets that need management? <laughs> sure, absolutely. It includes uh, the management of the trust, the distributions of the trust, the conversations we have with our beneficiaries, of course. Um, and then also investments. We maintain the investments within the trust. Um, we have extraordinary fees where if something gets above and beyond normal, then we can charge hourly rates, of course, but those don't come into play very often. Um, our administrative role is just that. We administer the trust and the funds and the distribution and investments within that trust, all through a fee. All right. Anything you want to, well, let me come back to trust. I want to shift to personal representative. Okay. And so we've talked about the trust vehicles, but if someone is setting up a a will-based plan, so that means it would go through the court and probate for listeners. I know you know that well. Um, and if someone doesn't have someone they want to name, which is not uncommon, <laughs> um, is it correct that you would serve that role even if straight from a will? Absolutely. Uh, being a personal representative is a huge responsibility to put on someone, a family member, a friend, a neighbor, or a relative. Um, because there are a lot of tasks that have to be accomplished when you're named personal representative. Um, there's a lot of checks and balances that have to take place um, before you can finally close an estate. So having a corporate trustee or a personal representative in a corporate world, uh, I think is a benefit because it's a neutral party handling all your personal assets. Um, we step in from the time we're notified someone has passed away to start marshalling assets, gathering assets, securing properties, which means securing homes, making sure that all their personal belongings in that home has been secured, um, inventoried or disposed of as their will directs. Uh, if there's certain things that go to certain people, we adhere to that. Um, if it's all that just be liquidated, then there's, you know, of course, auction houses or sales or things like that that can be done. Those proceeds are put in the estate and dispersed according to the will. Um, you have a lot of flexibility with how you can manage your estate plan after you're gone by just drafting a good will and, and how uh, your instructions are played out or written out so someone can administer that. But we do take on the full role. Um, we liquidate all, all assets 
um, if necessary, or gather them. If there's marketable assets in various brokerage accounts, we bring them in, hold them in the account. Um, if there's a house, real estate, we pay those expenses until that property is either sold or transferred to another beneficiary. Um, selling an estate uh, as a personal representative can take anywhere from six months to a year to two to three years. If you've got to sell a lot of real estate or liquidate businesses, things of that nature, that can be very, very time consuming. Um, so there's not a set time when an estate can be settled as far as a personal representative's duties. Um, it's case by case and asset by asset, but we do serve in that position and are happy to look at any trust documents or wills um, that would name us in that position. And we like to do that uh, in advance before things are signed so that we can say, this is your intent. This is what you've written down. This is how we would administer it. Are we interpreting it correctly so that your needs and wants are um, fulfilled after you've gone? So personally, I'm just curious out of, <laughs> on a level, what if someone's outside of acreage and how do you actually deal with their stuff in their home? Um, we would have to go, an officer and probably an assistant would have to go um, view an inventory or at least um, see the details of the property and what all's involved. And then if we are not right on site at all times, like if it's not an anchorage where we have you know offices or where we can get to fairly quickly, we can outsource some of those duties. We hire professionals to assist with those tasks. You know, if there's um, things that need to be done, there's local people in the area that are competent and reliable. Uh, we can outsource some of those duties, but we manage that at a very high level to make sure everything is done appropriately. You have a lot of connections. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's unique, everybody's unique um, especially in Alaska, with the assets they hold within their estate. And, you know, they may have a cabin in a remote area where you can only get to it by an airplane or by a boat. Um, so those assets would need to be um, viewed and, and disposed of appropriately. However, you know, the, the grantor has asked. So it, um, it's case by case. And some of them get really creative in Alaska. And that's okay. It keeps, it keeps things interesting. But as far as uh, for for estates, we I mean you know you can sell airplanes, you can sell cars, you can sell horse ranches, um, chicken farms, um, businesses, things of that nature, family cabins out in the middle of nowhere. So there's not really anything that we won't look at or see how we can assist to to accomplish those duties. Great, Brenda. As we think about wrapping up, is there anything that you want to add to be helpful? The only thing I would suggest uh, to folks that are listening to this and, and to working with you to draft their estate plan or create a trust is put some thought into how you want things to happen when you're gone or when you're not able to make those decisions. Um, I stress you've worked really hard to create your legacy and to create your money that you've earned throughout your lifetime. And to make sure it goes into the right places or to the right people, um, it's very important to draft the proper documents. Um, people think they can go online and just create a simple will and that doesn't necessarily hold up a lot or there's loopholes or there's holes in it that administration uh, can't be accomplished. So it's very important to have a good seasoned attorney who has a lot of experience in doing this 
um, and put the money there in the beginning so that at the end, when you're not around, your legacy is administered with the way you want and with your intent. I think that's very important. And a lot of people think that trusts are not a good vehicle for them or, you know, think of a corporate trustee as someone that they can't possibly have a relationship with. And we have a relationship with just about any type of person. Um, it doesn't matter who or where they're from. And we take pride in that. And each individual is different. And we like the opportunity to help and work with people or their beneficiaries to administer their legacy. That's just, I think, very, very important. And, and writing a good document is the start to doing that. And those documents a lot of times can be changed or amended depending on life changes or happenings throughout your life. And so just having a good foundation on a document on how that plays out when you're gone is very, very important. I often tell a story about a friend who was fishing and got the line all mixed up. And you can tell in lots of things in life that you made a mistake and you have to get to try again. And with your estate plan, you, you, you won't know. You, yeah, you, you don't always get a second chance to fix that. So um, if you put a lot of thought into it in the very beginning and, and how you want things to play out or be paid out to your beneficiaries or how you want them taken care of, uh, that's, that's wonderful. And that's a great way to leave your legacy the way you want and how you've intended. Otherwise, uh, unfortunately, if you don't, um, the state of Alaska, a lot of times in the state where you live in, the jurisdiction where you live in, gets to say what happens to your assets and who gets your money. And you worked really hard to earn that. I think you deserve the right to say who gets it in the end. I mean, that's that's something that you've earned. I have one more question for you. I just want to say if I, I feel like I was laughing and kind of flippant when I was thinking about you going into someone's house. And obviously, I not obviously, I feel like I was overly, sometimes I deal with this every day. Yeah. I Not sometimes, I do. And so I think that I need some humor but do pass and we we do that we walk into someone's house and they're not there and we we um respect the fact that that's their home that's where they live that's their private place all their belongings are private and very you know they cherish those items those are taken care of and respected and i said disposed of but um that's a term we use in in the kind of the corporate world but they're um given out or dispersed in the way that someone has wished in their will. And we take a lot of pride in doing that. Those, those are personal items. And, and um, if they want someone to have something special, we make sure that we accomplish that. It's an interesting job. Mm -hmm. it is. But they've entrusted us to take that role. And we respect that and hold that to a very high regard in handling someone's estate. Um, and so that's, that's, a, that's a big role that we respect. Interesting and important. And I'm glad that in my role, I have companies like Peak Trust and there are some others, but that can fit our options for, for individuals. Um, my husband and I not having children ourselves and or family <laughs> will yeah. be about the end. And so once our, our parents are deceased, we'll glad to have other options. Um, Where we take a lot of pride in and appreciate the opportunity to work with um, clients, with their attorneys, um, and all of us work together as a team. And a lot of times we'll work with the CPA to say, what tax consequences is this going to cause? Is this going to trigger a tax because you have X amount of dollars in your estate? We work together as a team to make sure that the final document and how everything is played out will work out well. And B, what 
the client wants and what's going to be most beneficial. And to have that kind of a team on your side to help you through this process is, is great knowledge and, and resources. That's an important piece, I think. So even after the grantor's deceased, you can still have the authority to work with those professionals. Absolutely. They have a lot of the client knowledge from communications and and um, and drafting those documents. So we, we work with the attorney afterwards, as well as the CPA. They've probably done family tax returns for this family for years and years and have that that knowledge. And so we like to continue that you know relationship, of course, because that's an established relationship. Well, those don't necessarily just go away. We, we like to continue what we need to continue to make the trust function and be administered in a proper way. All right, Brenda, this podcast, for better or for worse, is about transitions. <laughs> um, and so this could be a more personal question or in terms of your work, uh, but is there a piece of advice on any particular life transition that you'd like to share with the audience? Um, Live every day to the fullest. Um, I've learned recently in many years of, you know, loss of family members and friends and things for various reasons. Live every day to the fullest and just be happy and take every opportunity you can to grow and to just be kind to everybody. I just think that's important. And enjoy life as you as you want to and you can because you never know what tomorrow will bring or if you have tomorrow. I think that's very important. Great. Thank you so much. Thank the contact uh, the website for Peak Trust and then uh, do you want to share how folks can contact you or who they should contact at Peak if they're interested? For sure. Um, You can call Peak at uh, 907-278-6775. That's our uh, main line and you can ask for a trust officer or myself. I'm happy to talk to anyone and assist. Um, And then Peak Trust is Peak Trust Company. You can look us up on the website and uh, all of our services are outlined on there, um, what we do and how we do it. Um, some informational brochures are out there along with our team. Who, who is our team? Who, who are we made up of and who does what as far as our expertises and our background and our bios? Um, so you can kind of put faces with names and, and just see that we're um, a great organization and would be happy to work with you. Great. Thank you. And that's P-E-A-K, Peak Trust. Correct. And um, there are, I think you did a website update recently. It looks good. And there are some other services that we didn't discuss. So just individuals. Yeah, our our website is www.peaktrust.com. Great. And there's some sample forms on there, administration, uh, outlines and things and how how our roles can play depending on different scenarios and things of that nature. And and again, our our team information is out there so you can see um, our great team and who is what and has the expertise and been with the company and and things of that nature. So um, it's definitely worth checking out and can answer a lot of questions. We have, you know, frequently answered questions on there as well. Right. Thank you so much, Brenda, for joining, joining me this afternoon. Thank you. That's all for this week. 
You can find show notes for this show and prior episodes and future episodes at lizsmithlaw.com. And if you're interested in scheduling a meeting with us to find out what your next step would be for your estate planning, visit us at bit.ly slash mygiftfromlsl. Again, that's bit.ly slash mygiftfromlsl. Or find the link at lizsmithlaw.com. We look forward to seeing you again right here, same place, same time, two weeks from now. Thank you so much.